0: Welcome to episode 217 of Grid Talk. Today, we're here to review the 2022 French Grand Prix. My name is Ruby Price, and joining me, we have sports writer Awain Medford. Hello. Tom Downey from Everything F1. Hello. And Aaron Harper from Five Red Lights. Howdy. Uh, First, if you enjoy this podcast, we'd love it if you could take five to leave us a five-star rating on Spotify or a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. If you do, you'll automatically go into our monthly draw to win the Grid Talk t-shirt from our champion range of merch. And if you're one of the 72% of people who aren't yet subscribed to the channel, please consider helping us out with a like and a subscribe. So, it will take some Ferrari level of bad luck for this championship to swing away from Max Verstappen after he took a dominant win in Paul Ricard when his rival Leclerc crashed out. Aaron, we assumed it would be a two-stop when Max pitted early, but he made the one-stop work and is now 63 points ahead of Charles. How will he be feeling after those 53 laps?
1: Well, I don't think it would have been a two-stop had Leclerc not crashed. Um... Red Bull had gone for the undercut, so there's a strong chance that they would have executed the two-stop. But once Leclerc was out of the way, they were never going to be challenged by Mercedes. They just didn't have the straight-line performance. So he just managed his tyres to the end. It became a very straightforward race in the end for Max Verstappen, and he'll be very, very happy about it. Um, It is a shame that we are seeing... I'm I'm not going to say step hand handed the title because obviously he's having to do the hard work. He's won some races through pure skill and speed. But it could certainly be being made harder for him. Um, and that's not to say that things can't change because you know we've, we've seen how quickly things can change in Formula One over the years. And uh, as Mario Walker always said, anything can happen in Formula One and it usually does. So, you know, don't, don't count your chickens just yet if you're a Red Bull fan. 63 points is a big lead. It's a comfortable lead. And from here, I would expect him to go and seal the deal for a second consecutive world championship. But there's still a long way to go in this championship 10 rounds to go. And we head to Hungary next week, where, you know, bowling ball Bottas turned up and he's starting, even, he'll be starting even further back next week. So there's even more people for him to take out. Um, yeah, Red Bull have just got to be as they were today, very astute in their strategy, deliver a good car, and Max just has to do the rest and that's what he did today. He didn't do any more than he needed to. So, a job well done.
0: It certainly was a job well done by Max Verstappen today. All he really had to do, as you said, was just finish the race and that 25 points was absolutely his because, Owen, as Aaron mentioned, the Mercedes just Didn't quite have the straight line speed to be keeping up with Max or Charles whilst he was still in uh, P1 today. But Lewis Hamilton finishing P2 in a Mercedes 2-3, the first uh, double podium for the team of the season. After a lightning start, that was a very good job from Lewis Hamilton today.
2: Yeah, excellent drive. Um, And it's one of those things, it's, it's the thing that, I don't know I, I I the way I like to look at it I think that sort of uh, Mercedes is almost the anti Ferrari um in that they are they seem uniquely able to be able to get the best out of a bad situation um in comparison to Ferrari who seem to get the worst out of a good situation um and they're not throwing it in the wall and the team you know I, I guess it's easy to chase but they look uniquely able to just keep moving forward keep moving in the right direction um and they don't seem to be suffering many setbacks. Um, I think that's, you know, be evident and it's, and it's the reason that we see them in the two, three with Lewis Hamilton, um, not especially far off given the pace of the car. Um, Max Verstappen, obviously there was a um, uh, a safety car uh, in between, but you know, it, it looks like Mercedes are going strength to strength and, um, as you say, Lewis Hamilton did a, a, an excellent drive, um, particularly to keep Perez behind. I, I would say because I thought, I thought once Perez had DRS in the opening stages of the race, I thought that was over. It um, wasn't, and uh, and I think that's a you know another big part of why uh, the Mercedes were able to get a second place today.
0: Yeah, throughout the weekend, the Mercedes have had about 17, 18 kph less than the Red Bulls. When the Red Bull, when both teams have had DRS, so logically, when one of those cars has got DRS and is behind, you should be seeing a swap over there. But we didn't see that. And Tom, what we did see was some really smart thinking from George Russell on the virtual safety car restart to just jump ahead of Sergio Perez, who seemed to have been caught napping.
3: Yeah, I think Perez was either having a siesta or was drinking tequila. Or it was on board drink system because he was just. Yeah, he was. a uh, but Russell was sort of playing cat and mouse with him behind. He was, he was sort of going, "Hey, a and then Perez went, "Oh," and then Russell went, "Woohoo!" and then went past him. Basically, you know, that's that's not exactly a technical analysis, but that's just one man's analysis. Um, but yeah, it was very, very smart thinking, and um, and yeah, you know, Russell knew that Perez was struggling on those tires, which is feels like an odd thing to say for Perez. Because uh, obviously, you know, beforehand, you know, he's have seen being the tire whisperer. Um, you know, you, you know, he sort of had he sort of has this wicked way with them. But maybe it's just not getting on as well with the 2022 tires, because obviously they're very different to what we've had before. Obviously, they're bigger wheels, you know, different you know, you know, they're very different, all the rest of it. So, you know, maybe maybe that's maybe that's an element of it. I don't know. Um just you just just speculating. Um but yeah, Russell um Russell did uh, did a good number on Perez coming out of uh, uh coming out the end of the VSC um def- definitely caught Perez napping um, and uh, and I think Russell had the bit between his teeth and uh, he was he was losing his cool at one point which I think we all saw um, with that move going into uh, that move going into the I don't know if you call it a chicane or not but the the sequence of turns on the Misha straight um, you know it was a uh, it was a very, very ambitious move from Russell. Um, we've seen him do it before, and you know we've seen Max do that kind of thing before. And I think if he wouldn't have clipped the kerb, I think it would have made the corner safe. It needed being ahead on merit. But he um, but he did ever so... I didn't realise at the time, but he did ever so slightly clip that inside kerb like Ocon did. And it's only because Paris are avoiding action that I think we didn't see potentially coming together there. I get Russell's point of um, of that of he was that he felt he was entitled to the corner, and a racer's is always going to say that, aren't they? Um, but but yeah, his his rear wing was sort of like alongside Russell's. Sorry, his front wing was alongside Russell. Uh, my God, alive! Russell's front wing was alongside Perez's rear wheel. There we go. It only took three goes. There's one for the clips channel. Um, but um, but you know it was a. It was ambitious at best, and and you know George Haines Perez ran that road. I I disagree with that, Um, you know, because whereas you know Perez was going to keep it on track, and then there was no track for him to keep it on because George clipped the curb, Um and then he was getting a bit hot under the collar, well, very hot under the collar actually, because um, we you know because we heard his engineer telling him to you know just just trying to. Can keep his head calm. Then, obviously, Toto twice came on the radio and was like, "You know, come on, we'll have him." Then, I th- uh, and then I think, obviously, when the VSC came around, Russell was like, "Right, come on, son, you're having it." Um, and then, pu- and then pulled that master stroke, um, or or sort of just basically, basically just um, just called Perez's bluff. I suppose is the easiest way to put it. And yeah, um, put it back on the podium.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And as was mentioned, Aaron. Sergio Perez got caught napping should Sergio Perez really have been in p3 at the end of this race today
1: Uh, I'd, I'd say he should have been in p2 because he he has shown this year that he's able to extract the performance from the car but he just had a really scruffy weekend he was a little bit at sea on Friday with his setup work off the pace he got it together in qualifying, but if the Mercedes was able to deliver a, a lap instantly, getting the tyres up to temperature, then it's likely that they could have been ahead of him, or at least one of them would have been. And in the race, he fell off in terms of tyre wear and, and lap time, which was strange to see from, from Checo. There is a rumour that the, the car has been developed away from uh, Checo's liking. But that's neither here nor there because you've got to drive what you have. And recently he's been driving very well. But since the Monaco win, his form seems to have dropped off a bit. Which is a shame. And it certainly curtailed any hopes he had of winning the World Championship. As for today, he, he ended up where he deserved to be which was off the podium and without Ferrari being Ferrari, he would probably have ended up in sixth. And then you're looking at a situation where we go, well, hang on. Verstappen's won the race and Perez is way down in sixth. Have we got the best possible driver combination? So, there's, there's definitely work to be done for Sergio over the next week, heading into Budapest and then the, the, the summer break. And he'll be very disappointed with today. And I'm a bit disappointed with his performance as well. And I have to agree with what uh, Owen said. I expected to see Perez breeze past the Mercedes of Hamilton once he'd lost the position. But for a car with like 18 kilometres an hour of extra straight line speed to have lost the position at the start and never, ever regained it, that's worrying. And that, that is going to be of real concern to Christian Horner. Because if Ferrari get their act together and start winning races and putting one-twos on the board, a Sergio Perez that's not delivering is going to cost Red Bull the Constructors' Championship even though they currently hold an 82-point advantage, which might seem ridiculous, but if you're finishing first first or second with Max and then fifth, sixth, seventh with Checo, you're going to bleed points very quickly.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And with the Mercedes as well, revitalized and taking these P3s, P2s even, you know, that's more points that you're not getting yourself and ultimately... It's points up, you know, could cost you a title. Owen, oh, um, Carlos signs in Ferrari. Some choice words would probably be made um, to describe Ferrari's strategy today, or for the last couple of seasons, really. Um, but was it also unreasonable to expect Carlos signs to have done such a stint on the medium tires when most people could only really make them last about eighteen laps?
2: Uh, I don't. I don't know with Ferrari. I don't know what they. I don't. To me, they gave a position. Um, I I I don't know what to say about. I mean, they seem incompetent, um, inept, just come, like unwilling to look out the window of what's of what's happening. Um, you know, were they even in the same race? Sort of thing, like. I, I don't get the second pit stop. You know, I think he could have done. You know, the fuel load would have burnt off, and I think even going past, I, I fully would have seen him getting past, uh, getting a, another five seconds. You know, it just it seemed to be that what was happening. You know, the, the pace was in the car to do it, um, and you know, I, I totally get listening to your driver on that, but um, it seemed ridiculous to to make that to, to make a call. To, to do that stop, um, you know, so close to the end of the race and give him basically three and a half, four seconds per lap to be making up um, to get anywhere close to where he was. Um, now, I, don't, I, I, can't live, I can't even level the blame of Science because Science did a really good job, to be honest, in my, in my opinion, you know, with what he had to do. Um, he drove a great race. Uh, he was just given,
1: you know, uh, uh, a, just a ridiculous task. Um,
2: I, I can't, I can't get my head around it. I, I, it's you, you've got to make the best of a bad situation. At least with one car, and I know obviously starting from the back is not, it's not, it's not good. Uh, your prospects, but. You know, they took a bad race and, and made it even worse. And that's, it's, it's, you know, cardinal sin, in my opinion. So I, I think it's, I think it's, I, honestly, I think Ferrari really jumped the shark again. Um, and I, I don't see that getting better um, at this point.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, just, you have to hand it to Carlos that he was able to get from P19 to what should have been a net P3. And as well, when you look at the results, that five-second stop that he had to make because of the the unsafe release, he's not five seconds off Russell at the end. So why they decided to pit him at the time that they did was, I just think, so ill-thought-out. But anyway, Tom, uh, Fernando Alonso, P6, uh, you would argue a great result for the Alpine team.
3: Oh, yeah. Um... And and you know I said yesterday that Alonso will do something with a little bit of flair, and it's like his opening lap was exactly that. You, you know that you know the way he was just uh you know the you know the way he made moves at the start. You know had a super launch. Both he and Hamilton absolutely outstanding launches today. You know you know it was proper chef's kiss moment. Um, and then and then yeah, and then um Alonso just did what he did. And when he when he came over the team radio towards the end, when his engineer said to him, he said, Oh, by the way, Norris is behind. And, and Alonso is basically saying, Yeah, no bother, just let him catch up and, and burn up his tires. He did exactly that, which meant Ocon could catch up. And once again, did he see the gap? Um uh you know, did did, did he did he see the gap between Alonso and uh, and and who was in front of him, because yeah, because yeah, it was signs and Perez and Russell and that group It was about 27 seconds in the end and there was you, you know you know Alonso was just doing his best Little Miss DRS train impression um and and he, he, did, he did exactly that and he backed with the McLarens uh yeah and it was just it was it was a bit of a vintage Fernando Alonso performance you know a you know, bit of flair a bit of sass um you know a, a lightning start uh you know, you know brought home good points in a car, which isn't the best on the field. How many times have we seen him do that? So yeah, so it was a good good result for him. And it was a good result for Alpine as well, because obviously they were tied with McLaren, but they now move ahead of McLaren into um uh they're into fourth and in the constructors Alpine, I believe. Um, you know, so yeah, uh yeah, good 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 day for a long. Time. So um I had a feeling he'd do something, you know, just a little bit special at his at his team's home race, you know, because uh, you know, because I know Alpine obviously based in Enstone. Um, you know, but, but they are French backed and, you know, obviously French team, French race, you know, team Enstone. stone, you know, slash runner slash Alpine slash whoever else they've been over the years. Um, you know, they absolutely adore Alonso and he loves them. There's the reason he's been there three times. So yeah. Uh, yeah, just, uh, yeah. He was, uh, he was just putting in moves today. Um, and yeah, it was just, it was just good to see.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Aaron, I would argue it was a bit of an anonymous race for Lando Norris. Obviously, you know, did a good job yesterday to put his car between the two Mercedes and qualifying. But, you know, from the start of the race and, you know, being jumped by Fernando being, I believe he was jumped by Ocon, but then the uh, Ocon and um, Sonoda thing put him further back again. But it just, it was a nothing race for uh, Lando Norris.
1: Uh, it was anonymous rather than a nothing race. He, he just did the job that he needed to do. Uh, Nico Rosberg was saying on Sky F1 ahead of the race that he thinks Lando is a future champion. and I have to agree with him. He's driving with the maturity to become a title contender. Obviously, we're seeing like with Charles Leclerc how uh, drivers can fare under the, the real pressure of a world championship battle. Lando's just doing an excellent job. When the car isn't coming alive, he just bags solid points. Like yesterday, he produced a stunning lap to split the two Mercedes. Uh, So you can't say fairer than that in terms of qualifying pace. And then once the Alpine was in front, you're probably not going to overtake it if you're in a McLaren because one, the Alpine is an absolute bullet in a straight line because they run the skinniest wings you will ever see. They're basically in the, in the fifties with the lack of wings and the McLaren by contrast lacks a little bit of straight line speed. It's a little bit draggy. It's a little bit heavier. It's a little bit like the Mercedes in in that sense. And yet Lando was still able to drag seventh place out of it. And he kept it on the road. We saw other drivers getting caught up in accidents. And spinning off and just general reliability McLaren nice and tidy seven points knowledge of the updates looked a lot more positive so on a track where they'll be a bit more competitive perhaps a little bit quicker than Alpine they'll fancy their chances but today was just about making sure they lost as few points as possible to Alpine and I think lando did just that
0: yeah absolutely owain esteban ocon p8 in the alpine obviously had that coming together which he received a five second penalty for with yuki snota on the first lap um do you agree that it was ocon's um fault and ultimately do you think that you know he could have finished further up without that penalty
2: Um, yeah, so it's a five-second penalty, um, and he's, and, you know, and he's under under five seconds away from from uh, Norris, so, you know, they were at least who had a, a battle, um, assuming everything else being equal. Um, I've had a look at the results, and to be honest, the only people that, uh, like, you know, he started 10th and finished in 8th, the only people that, um, he over uh, not the only people he overtook, but the, the two places he's made there are owing to, um, him punting off Sonoda, so i guess that worked out for him um and uh, and obviously charles Leclerc. um so you know i don't i don't see that as a you know it, it's an average race It's you know but to my, to my eye at least that's starting where you've uh, sorry that's finishing where you've started i mean he's he's profited off um you know in my opinion a not particularly well punished um uh mistake uh, and you know really understated into into Sonoda, and obviously that took Sonoda out of the race. Um, both yeah, both sort of metaphorically initially, and then uh, and obviously literally uh, by the end when they retired the car. So, um, it's a bit of a nothing race. Um, but you know, at least he would he would have had a chance, I guess, to to have a, have a, a bit of a fight with Norris, um, and, and maybe would have been able to do, um, to do some extra stuff on the strategy or or help be a pincer. Um, for Alonso but um, but beyond that you know it's a it's a solid performance obviously you know, he's made the mistake and he's done his time for it as it were um, but you know beyond that it's not you know I don't think there's too much to say about it to be a bit uh, past that
0: yeah I would agree with that Tom Daniel Ricardo is a driver under a lot of pressure from the media from fans from um, pretty much everyone really and probably including himself, but he's managed to, you know, finish home in P9, which I think is about where he started. Um, but continuing that Daniel Ricciardo really just needs to, you know, be bagging some of these kind of points, I think it's a job well done for him,
3: is it though? Because if he's, he started P9, but we had a you know, we had Leclerc, obviously, conca in front of him, so if you finish a net P8, then. You know, you know that would have been sort of on course, but you no, know, you got passed by Ocon, um, you know, towards the latter stages of the race. So that that was his main battle that race. He did have a decent start, and he was, he, he was looking. I did notice he was he was having a little sniff at Norris at the start um, as they sort of come around that back loop that takes you back onto the main straight. I can't remember what turn it is. Sorry, I think it's turn six. I could be completely wrong, um, so I'm not even going to attempt to guess what. To what number two it is? Um, yes, you know he showed in this sort of like decent, you know, perhaps a bit, bit of promise or whatever. But again, it just fell into sort of nothingness quite quickly. Um, yeah, I agree, Ruby. No one knows what turns they really are. It, it gives me a migraine on track, honestly. Um, but, um, but
1: yeah,
3: no. Uh, <sighs> I'm trying really hard not to go over all ground with Dan and Rick because you know, we've gone over it enough times and it's not going to do it. You know, I doubt he listens to this anyway, um, but it, you never know, um, you, you know, and, and he's, he's obviously made his intentions very clear. Um, I just want him to, I just want him to have a couple of weekends where he can just, you know, just, just sort of like, even if it's something unspectacular, you know, if you just say like qualifies P8 finishes P6, you know, qualifies P nine finishes P seven. This weekend could have been a good weekend for that. You know he, quali- he qualified P eleven, but she moved that to P nine with signs and K Mag with their benching penalties. Um, you know, so started on the row P nine. Um, he but but you know on Mary he still didn't make it into QC when his teammate put it P five. Um, so. Yeah, I don't know. It's um, it's a tricky one. I get with qualifying that obviously the track ramps up all the rest of it, and you know, so, you, so I get more and more at one, all that kind of thing. But he's just not looking as settled in that car. Um, so yeah, um, you, you know, t- today, like I said, it was a good opportunity for him to get some good, good points and what. Okay, he got what you get, what two points for ninth place. Um, you'd argue, given a quarter of the field didn't finish, as you put it in the live chat, you'd have expected, I'd have expected more from him.
0: Yeah, I mean, that is a good counter argument to what I started with. um, Aaron, a driver who did have an anonymous race until literally the last corner after a little bit of a tussle with his teammate, it seems. Um, Lance Stroll rounding off the points positions for Aston Martin. It's a point, and I think Lance is very much in need of
1: those. Yeah, yeah, it's a good point for him and for Aston Martin. I think there was a little bit of uh, sorting out to do at the end of the race, considering it was uh, teammate versus teammate into the final corner. Um, yeah, quiet race from Stroll. We didn't see them a whole lot. We saw them together on the, on the final lap. That was about it. So I can't really talk, talk too much about Lance's race. Say, I'm assuming he probably stopped under the safety car and then just ran to the end. Uh, he, yeah, he, he was in 10th for a long time, so he's been fairly consistent in that respect. And whether that's him or the car or a combination of the, the, the layout allowing him to stay in front, but it's a job well done, he's managed to get himself. 10th place having started something like 16th or 17th so that's a, that's a good solid effort and a well-managed race he got a little bit shirty with his engineer over the radio but that's lance and you know if i if I <laughs> had someone in my ear telling me about different things that didn't really matter and i'm trying to drive at 200 miles an hour i think i'd be a bit shirty with people too but nevertheless it's another Tenth place. He likes to finish tenth in 2022, doesn't he, Lance? And uh, another point doesn't really help Aston Martin in the grand scheme of things, uh, because they only gain one point on AlphaTauri ahead of them. But I suppose it, it's it's a single point. It's one more than Williams. But that that's a, probably a slightly damning indictment on where Aston Martin's uh, performance level is at the moment.
0: Yeah, it certainly is a bit of a damning one. Um, and, uh, Wayne, the only real thing we saw from Vettel, uh, other than the little coming together with Lance in the final corner, um, he made a good, atate, a good overtake on Albon to um, get into, I think it was P11 where he's actually finished up. So there is at least something that Sebastian Vettel still got some life with. Yeah, it's a good racing
2: driver. I don't, you know, it's, I don't think that's ever been up for debate. Obviously, he's had you know periods of time where he's not been um, as good, up to his best, which we know is astoundingly high. Um, I must have missed that overtake, to be honest with you. Uh-huh. But um, it, all I remember is uh, them fighting that hard right at the end. I don't know why they were fighting that hard. Uh, the two uh, Astons, I thought that was very high risk for. A team that again is eight points or yeah eight points off their their closest rival um, in the constructors, and I, I really don't see why why they need to be fighting that hard just to just to stay on terms. I don't see the point. Um, but they decided to. Um, they got really close in the last quarter. That's what I, you know it's a it's a decent enough race for that, and I think for both uh, Aston's. To be honest, I think they're, I'm glad that they're actually both in. Um you know, obviously the retirement's notwithstanding. The fact that they're actually fairly close to uh being in the top ten is a is a positive. Um whether that's on true performance, I, I think remains to be seen. I'd like to see that a bit more consistently. But beyond that, yeah, that's fertile for you.
0: <laughs> that is certainly this brand of vessel that we've certainly got. And Tom, I'm gonna go to you because um we're having some issues with Aaron. Uh Pierre Gasly, P12. Not really the best home race for him, but it didn't. It's the not great uh, home race. Kind of started yesterday with his qualifying performance, didn't it?
3: Yeah, um, I thought it was going to be. You know, I, I thought we were going to be on to perhaps a bit of a better weekend for Castley, and he was looking good in pre practice on Friday. But pre practice means natural But at the end of the day, you know, if you can put it, can't put it, you can't put in the qualifying lap, then, uh, then yeah, you know, you are not going to get much. And unfortunately, that's exactly what happened. Um, you know, uh, you know, he, he went out in Q one, didn't have a great race, and you know, finished finished outside the points again. Um, just uh, you know, just uh, just yeah, just just not a good race weekend for him. Like I said last week, or maybe the week before now, I said Dazley just needs. He needs the summer break. We've got one race left next week. Um, And he just, uh, yeah, he he just needs some time off. He needs some time away from racing. And like I said before, maybe some time away from social media because he'll do his mind the world good. I did it and it it was brilliant. Um, You know, just, uh, you know, just, uh, you know, just, just, he he just needs a mental reset. And I think he's getting himself, probably getting himself a bit worked up over where's he going to go in F1. Because there aren't really any seats around at the minute, um, you know the, the Red Bull door's been shut in his face, and he needs to get out of the Red Bull program, full stop. Because um, if he doesn't, you know his time's going to expire in F1. He's, he's been in it full time since 2018. Let's not forget and he made his debut in midway through 2017. So you know it's, it's not it's not like he's a relative newbie, and you know that's an awfully long time to be in a quote unquote junior seat. Especially given you has got another season coming up, you know. So, um, so I, I don't know. He, he just, you know, he didn't do himself that many favors this weekend. He needs to, um, yeah. He just, he just needs to, uh, he just needs to have some good weekends like, like he had, you know, like, like we saw so many of last year and and the year before, um, and even in the last half of 2019, actually, he was dropped by Red Bull. So you know, we just you know, we need the old Gasly back. Maybe he needs more time to gel with the new cars, and you know, the Alpha AlphaTauri doesn't look as competitive. But also, um, uh, you know, um, you know, Tsunoda still having you know, you know, still putting Q3, and would have probably had a decent race had on not punted him off the track at the start. So um, you know, so it can't all be blamed on the car. You know, Gasly's got to take some accountability for it. Um, yeah, you, know, you know, that's that's why I said I think I think he just needs a bit of a reset.
0: Yeah. I do think, you know, some of it does obviously, like you say, come down to the fact that the Alpha Tari for this year is just not the car that it was last season. But no, but then none of them are. Um whereas, you know, obviously last season we'd we'd basically had the same cars for two years because of the situation as you know, some uh organizations have taken to calling it. But Aaron, um, Alex Albon. Another anonymous race for him. The upgraded Williams just seems to be settled around that, you know, P11 to P15 margin for at least one of their drivers.
1: Yeah, I think this podcast for me is a bit more eventful than Alex Albon's race because the washing line has just been blown over, which is why I had to disappear for a moment. Um, yeah, aside from the washing being blown over, Albon's race was uh exciting only when Carlos Sainz was pulled out in front of him and he had to jam on the brakes in the pit lane apart from that he was never really going to trouble the points and you say Williams are sort of nestled in that midfield area and that's improvement from where they were shows that the car is being developed in the right direction and the midfield as we know is competitive and if McLaren and Alpine are locking out the remaining points positions. It only leaves one or two spots up for grabs. And if Lance Stroll uh, pulls a worldie, then there's nothing left. So P13 for Alex Albon today, I think is a solid drive. He doesn't need to, well, I say he doesn't need to be spectacular and flashy, but he just needs to be effective in that car, which is what he's doing because everyone's looking at him and going, oh, wow, yeah, he, he really is a good driver. And He's continuing to show it. Maybe he's one of those drivers who isn't quite good enough for one of the top teams, but he will excel in a midfield team, possibly like Pierre Gasly. So for, for Alex, it's just about you know, being effective, leading that team, being a good racing driver. And he's doing exactly that. He's having a really good season. He scored a few points. Everyone's looking at him favorably again. There's a more positive vibe around him. So, I think all of the things that he would have wanted to accomplish coming into the season, he's ticked all the boxes. And you know, P13 in you know, a Williams—that's not to be discredited. It's a solid effort. You know, it's it's a lot of effort for no reward, but. There will be more clever people than us diving into the data and looking at just how effective his performance was, because he's again out out outraised his teammate, outqualified his teammate. He got into did he get into Q two yesterday? He did. Yes. So again, another Q two appearance for Alex. You know, job done, well done. Move on to Hungary.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Moving on to Hungary. Um, And speaking of people who have an affinity with Hungary, Owen, uh, Valtteri Bottas, one of the three drivers to start on the hard tyres, the other two being Gasly and Signs. With the exception of Signs, I think ultimately where Bottas has finished has just kind of shown that starting on the hard tyre just wasn't the right decision. You know, he pitted on lap 37, which came 20 laps after the safety car, which, you know, just ruled everything out from that strategy.
2: Yeah, I don't, I'm not sure you can level blame it them, though, to be honest with you. Um, in some ways, I mean, I don't, I can't remember the, um, the allocation of tyres that they would have had at the start of the race, but um, yeah, I don't, I, I think, I don't think it was a bad tactical decision to start on the hards. I think it would have actually been quite a good idea. Um, initially without that safety car having happened, um, obviously the safety car did happen. So, um obviously you don't want to come in and and pit um you know you want to gain track position at least i think unfortunately that yeah that you know looking back on it it's just like well that's just sometimes the, sometimes the cards the just fall against you um and, that, and that's heading you into a quite a difficult um i think you did a one-stop quite a difficult race um so i don't I don't think there's anything that he could have done. I don't think that there's anything they could have done. I think this is just sort of a natural playing out of the strategy that they chose. And uh, unfortunately, it's got it's gone against them. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't think that, that's not a bad drive by Bottas. It's just, a, it's just a sometimes it goes against you.
0: Yeah, and another um, team whose strategy ended up going against them with the safety car, Mick Schumacher, the last of the um, finishers. Pitted early, you know, for the hards, was quicker than most of the cars on track, but ultimately that safety car just neutralized the Haas. And Tom, you know, a disappointing weekend for Mick Schumacher and Haas in general.
3: Yeah. Um, like I said on the quality show yesterday, you know, Mick's qualifying result on paper is not a true reflection of his pace because he put that car into the top 10 in q one. And it's not like he did a big corner cut to get it. I know he did go all four wheels off the track. Um, but it, it, well, it was marginal, but yeah, it was still okay. It was still all four wheels, but he still would have comfortably, comf, comfortably, comfortably been in Q2. I really can't talk today. I do apologize. Um, it's, uh, I can't even blame the heat anymore. Um, you know, he, yeah, he would have easily been into Q2. Um, Anyway, uh, you know, it's just, you know, just unfortunate that his first lap was you know, whatever happened happened in quality. So, you know, so his race day. Yeah, it was just unfortunate. You know, he um, yeah, has committed early to the two-stop, which, given Paul Ricardo did look like it was going to be the way to go. Obviously, you always run the risk of a safety car or a VSC or a red flag or whatever. But we've never had that many here. Um, I know we've only been here since 2018 obviously we didn't have a race in 2020, uh, 2020 you know because of COVID um, but yeah as soon as when, that, when the two hash pit and then Leclerc you know bombed that what about 5-10 laps later yeah uh, Gunter Steiner his heart must have just sunk when he was on the pit wall thinking oh god this is just not what we need um, it wasn't what they needed at all and yeah it just it didn't it didn't do Mick any favours, unfortunately. You know his uh, his point streak has come to an end, um, but it's the weekend is not a reflect is not a true reflection on his pace. Um, and like I, again, like I said yesterday, he's got that fiery side. You know, like his dad obviously used to have when he raced, beginning to come out in his driving. You know he's he stopped being so nice. In, in the nicest way possible, I know that I know that must I know that's a bit of a contradiction in terms, but um, but but he's 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 got a bit of uh, you know, he's got a bit of, uh, you wouldn't even call it aggression, but he's just got you've just got a bit of, you know, just a bit of sort of like, again, not provide. I don't quite know what the right word is. Yeah, attitude. Thank you, Bruce. Yeah, that's 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 the best words. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I like how that came straight to your mind. Um, you know, it's um, yeah, you it, know, it, it. His his driving in the you know, it, we saw it when he was racing against Max in Silverstone, and then we saw it again in Hungary, and we saw it. Uh, sorry, uh, we saw it in Austria, um, but we saw it in Hungary last year. Which is the only chance last year that he was genuinely gonna be on for points. And then obviously the car last year was an absolute dog, so it didn't happen. But I said it last year. Um, I said, We need to see more of that Mick Schumacher, and it's beginning to come out a bit more now. And it's what we need. You know, he always seems to sort of blossom in his second season of whatever he's done. If you look at his F two season, you know, his first season. I didn't race him at all in his first season. I was one of those people saying Name anything and kidding me and blah, blah, blah. Um, but no, he actually came through in his second season. And then he's beginning to do that now in F1. Um, so hopefully the second half of the second season has to bring in a couple more upgrades. Um, yeah, he's, a, he's on the right track, is Mick.
0: Yeah. It's always easy to think of the right words when you're not the one that's speaking them, Tom. So, you know, don't worry. I've got you back. <laughs> um, but Aaron, Zhou Guanyu, P16, DNF ultimately, Ferrari power unit suspicions, um, just more re- unreliability letting down Guan Yu here.
1: Yeah, it's just another, another DNF for Zhou, unfortunately. I mean, when, when the car is on song and it finishes the race, Joe is actually able to put together some really good weekends. And we've seen that recently. He's driven really, really well. Um, but the last two rounds, it's just not quite worked out for Alfa Romeo. They've not had the car to capitalize. And they've very quickly fallen away from that battle for P4. But they're comfortably ahead of Haas and they're still way above expectation in, in p6 in the championship and joe is outperforming everybody's expectations so yeah it's just it's just one of those things that's that's racing unfortunately so i, th- I believe he was still classified something like six laps down but alpha well i say alpha ferrari need to go on top of this because we've had has suffer um Reliability issues and Tom. By the way, I thought your Günther Steiner impression was very, very mild. I'm sure there was some some door smashing going on <laughs> at the safety car.
3: Uh, uh, there could have been, but I'm trying
1: to keep it PG. <laughs> and then you got Alpha Romeo. Who also have the Ferrari power unit, and they seem to be getting tripped up by it too. As do the main Ferrari team. So Ferrari have banked on performance for their power units rather than reliability and it is catching them out it's catching their customers out uh if i was alfa romeo i'd be asking for some sort of refund i hope they've kept their receipts so yeah i'd be knocking on mattia bonato's door and whoever's the head of the ferrari engine department and saying look this isn't the product we paid for it doesn't get to the end of the race
0: yeah, a glass cannon's all well and good until you start to factor in the fact it's made out of glass, in which case, you know, glass shatters. Oh, Wayne. Nicholas Latifi tried to make an overtake, which is something that we don't often get to say, but then he had contact with K-Mag during the incident and ultimately led to both K-Mag and Latifi retiring. So, is that a sign that Nicholas Latifi shouldn't be trying to make overtakes, or... Is it more, you know, sometimes you need to choose your overtakes a bit more wisely?
2: Oh, I mean it's I mean it's one of those things that it's there's some people that can find gaps and get through those gaps without without having an issue, and there's some people who are who can't. And uh, and I would say Nicholas Satipi is probably one of those people, unfortunately. Um so yeah, I think it's I think it's just a, a product product of people going racing, but I don't think the T V has necessarily the skill, let alone the car, to be able to um, be overtaking, <laughs> unfortunately. Um so I you know, not to say that there was that it was always going to end in, in tears, but um, you know, there's there's some drivers who are lucky than others, so <laughs> um in, in that respect. Um so yeah you know i mean credit for trying um, cuz i think too often we've we've criticized the for not trying or or you know not necessarily um going for for moves that you could have done or being a bit um
1: what's the word i don't know a bit of a pushover um so it's good
2: to see him at least um but uh, you know have another go. Don't don't hit, but don't don't run your opponent out of room, and uh, you know, and don't, don't basically don't you know don't retire
0: because
2: it's just causing issues, and it's a DNF. Um, but beyond that, you know, I think it's just it's what it is.
0: Yeah, and you did at least get a chance to try out the new upgraded Williams this weekend, which you know after two weeks of not having the upgrades. It's a bit strange that it took so long to get around but i guess you know in this um era of budget cap you want to make sure that if you're putting upgrades on both cars that they do work and who's let's face it who's the more likely driver to bring the car home as much as it didn't actually happen at Silverstone for uh, alex Albon in the upgraded car but you know they want to know that tom um Kevin Magnussen had a pretty decent start to the race. He made up a lot of positions from last on the grid, and then ultimately it just all went downhill from the safety car and the Haas early stop. Yeah,
3: um, Kevin was one of the sort of biggest sufferers from from the safety car um, coming out when he did because he was the very first car to pit, I believe, aside from Sonoda, who also put on. I, you know, he was the first of the quote unquote normal pit stops or the sort of planned pit stops if you like. Um I believe anyway, please correct me if I'm wrong. Um I'm sure the internet will. Um, yeah, he was uh yeah you came in and stopped to Haas, like we said about Mick, committed very early to a two-stop strategy. Was probably going to work out. Um but with their ties have been burnt up quite a bit by the end because it was I think it was the hottest race we've had so far this year. Um, you know, I, I, again, I think you because know, it said track temperatures were pushing fifty degrees at one point. Um, and you know, the south of France, middle of, middle of July, I know it gets hot down there. Um, so, uh, so yeah, so it would have been. A, I I wonder if they would have almost pitted too early. I wonder if they perhaps should have waited a couple of laps. But also, I don't have the data that they had, so I don't know. Maybe they're gambling on us. No, they couldn't have gambled on a safety car because it horrendously backfired. Um so yeah, so yeah, yeah, came out. it was going well. Um and then you know he, he you know he he and the we had that coming together at turn two towards the end. There's no further action for either of them. Um I checked the FIA website, there's yeah, there's nothing more coming from it, but that sort of like that basically brought curtains to any further you know and any um any further race that he was going to have and and I think he was a dnF in the end was he he
0: came out yeah that's why we're yeah.
3: talking about him at this point of
0: the yeah
3: yeah no, yeah i i I honestly couldn't remember if he dnF or if he was just like at the back of the grid um I wasn't pay much attention to the back to be honest so yeah um yeah again you know disappointing for him disappointing for Haas but like I said about mick not a true reflection on their speed
0: Yeah, absolutely. And Aaron, a driver who seemed to have the speed today, um, Charles Leclerc, had pulled ahead of Max Verstappen about two seconds, um, still in sort of undercut territory. And we do know that the undercut is powerful around Paul Ricard, but clearly Ferrari just banked on, you know, being able to out-strategize Red Bull. I'm not sure where they got that idea from, but ultimately Charles Leclerc crashing out, He did hold his hands up and say that it was his own mistake, but there were suspicions around, you know, the throttle issue from Austria returning. Ultimately, just a devastating day for Charles Leclerc, particularly, you know, somewhat writing off his championship chances without something major happening.
1: You know, I don't think it matters whether it was a car fault or a driver error. The. The crux of it is that Charles Leclerc has crashed or well, has failed to finish when leading the race for the third time this season. And if you, if you take all of those three and you turn them just into second places, this, um, this championship looks drastically different. But the fact the fact that remains that Charles Leclerc has been driving brilliantly all season. The pole position lap that was phenomenal. Okay, he had a little bit of help from Carlos Sainz, but that's what you have to do. That was Ferrari nailing the strategy for once. And then he was in control. He managed that opening stint beautifully. Because I was convinced on the third lap when Verstappen got DRS, I thought it was all over. I absolutely thought it was all over. But he held firm, he was fast in all the right places to keep Verstappen behind and forced Verstappen to go for the undercut. Verstappen would have probably gone for the undercut anyway had he stayed behind. Uh, Well, he did, obviously. Um, But finding himself in second position, they would have always gone for it. But then to cut to the scene of him in the wall it's another potential 25 points down the drain. And he, he said it was a mistake. I'm not so sure. I mean, Nico Rosberg was saying about the gust of wind. And if there's anyone who's an expert on a gust of wind costing you a win, it's Nico Rosberg. But it, it's just such a devastating blow after Austria, where he was magnificent and he passed Verstappen three times and won the race. This was the worst possible backup to it. And the, the scream down the radio is the new uh, version of Hamilton's Oh No in Malaysia. It's just, it's slightly haunting. It's, as a, as a, as a neutral person looking at it, it's not very good for the championship because you always want a competitive championship. You don't always get it. But the potential has been for a super competitive championship. But through a myriad of reasons, it seems that Leclerc's championship challenge, if it's not over now, it is severely hamstrung because of this. And it, it really shouldn't be. Really, really shouldn't be. It's such a shame that we're talking about it this way, when it could be thrilling and engaging, but it looks like it's just going to run away from Ferrari and Leclerc.
0: Yeah. And in his interview with, I think it was Rachel Brooks in the paddock afterwards, he said, you know, uh, lost 25 points here, uh, lost seven points in Imola because of his mistakes. And he said that if he loses the championship by 32 points, he knows, you know, where the fault lies and that's, you know, following his, you know, it was my mistake. But ultimately, you know, like you say, Ferrari have let him down at points, reliability's let him down, and uh, the occasional mistake has let him down. Uh, Wayne, Yuki Spinoda's race, you know, was just ended by Ocon effectively. He retired on lap 17 when the safety car came out, but I think it was the writing was on the wall. It was never going to recover from the start, was
2: it? No. Um... You get punted off. You're at the back of the field, right? Like it's not even, it's not even a case of getting, you know, getting turned around and getting, you know, just getting back on with it. You know, it's right at the start. From that point onwards, he was always going to be at least ten seconds back on the rest of the field. Um, that, for our uh, sorry, the AlphaTauri is not fast enough to bring it through the field uh, to any meaningful amount. Um, you know, I'm not saying give up immediately. I think, to be honest, that, that when they when they retired the car was probably the best time to... Save the engine, live to fight another day. Um, you know, it's annoying. I would like to see what uh, Sonoda would have done, um, but you know, it really, it didn't. It, it, uh, there was nothing he could have done. Um, when, once he got uh, hit, that was it for me. Um, I thought there's there's no more you can do. Um, <laughs> yes, Yuki Spinoda. Um, I think that I think that would be fair. Like that would be fair game as a pun. If if he hadn't like if he'd done anything wrong, he didn't. He was just on the outside, and then someone just steered into him. And but it's not his fault. What could he do? Um, maybe leave a bit more space. But then again, I don't. I, I, it's not one of those things. It wasn't like a, uh, Ocon's. You know, you know, lost a massive amount of downforce. But whatever. No, I. I you know, it's a sort of. Uh, it's his, his day ended before it really began. Um, like I say, there's probably just a small um, benefit of them actually being able to uh, retire the car only third the wa- third or way through the race rather than running it um, to futility.
0: Yeah, absolutely. They might as well, you know, come in, get some new parts for the next time around, not put mileage on the engine. Which the power units are certainly uh, th- their price tag will be adding up this season unless you have a Mercedes one. It seems for the most part. Um, But yeah, that is a look through the driver's finishing positions. Now it's time to assign a star of the race. So I'm going to start with you, Tom. Who is your driver of the day? Carlos Sainz. I think that's a pretty definitive answer that's probably going to come from most of us. But yeah, Carlos Sainz is certainly a good shout. Aaron?
1: I fundamentally disagree with Carlos Sainz, not because I dislike him, because starting at the back in a fast car, you're always going to make progress. So you look, it looks better than it really was. I can see why Carlos Sainz was voted driver of the day, because his pace was outstanding. Um, but I'm actually going to give it to uh, George Russell for his brilliant little bit of gamesmanship. Uh, catching Sergio Perez off guard um, and then holding him off as well in the closing laps. So that was really super impressive. But, you know, Carlos Sainz did do a really good job. And uh, if he'd started to the front, he'd have probably won the race. He had the pace to do it, but he didn't. So I can't give him it.
0: Yeah, the other two Mercedes are also good shouts for this. Um, so... Good idea to, you know, assign it to George Russell as well. Owain, who are you going for? One or the two? One or the three? Someone else entirely?
2: I, I was going to go for Lewis Hamilton because I was just, you know, the, the ability to hold off Perez. Um, that's what I was... <laughs> uh, That <It's>...
0: eye roll. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't see it. no, no eye roll.
2: No, I was just like. I'm so, I'm sorry but if you're 80 like if you're 18k slower when you've both got DRS and you know you manage to defend your way uh from the you know from the fastest car on track you know from the race with, you know the, the sorry the teammate of the guy who's, um who's won the race like like I said before I thought I thought Perez would blow by Hamilton um he didn't so I think, you know, I think Hamilton did a great job in a car that probably wasn't the the best and, you know, he's got a second play. Like, he's he's inching closer. Um, you know, I think, I, I still think the uh, Hamilton uh, getting a win this season is on and I think it's sort of a natural forward step.
0: So we got one vote for Signs, one vote for Russell, one vote for Hamilton. No one's going to say Max Verstappen really because, you know, ultimately started p2 p1 didn't finish so you know to inherit p1 and just then has to finish the race i'm gonna go diplomatic and say that you're all right you know i'm gonna sit on the fence <laughs> um I if, I can just say, <laughs>
1: <laughs> if i can just say on owen's point about hamilton winning a race this, this season the next race is hungary and that's one of his most successful circuits so yeah i I don't know how well the Mercedes will fare there. it will probably start jumping up and down again, knowing my predictions this year. But uh, he could be a strong bet for at least a podium again in Hungary.
0: Yeah. And just a note, we are previewing the the Hungarian Grand Prix tomorrow live on YouTube. So if you're watching now, make sure you're watching tomorrow night as well. Um, And if you're watching this or listening to this after that episode, make sure you also check that out, you know. Um, some good people on the show but yeah so that's our um drivers of the day now it's time to give our panelists some opportunity to pr- give a bit of self-promotion um so let's start off with tom everything f1 go ahead
3: Cheers, Rubes. yeah so uh, i'm i'm part of everything f1 we cover any race car has got four wheels, really. So F1, F2, F3, W-Series, IndyCar, Formula E. Those are our main ones at the moment. Um, yeah, we uh, we have a plethora of social media accounts. So all your favorite platforms, you know, so what what have we got? Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, Twitter. I think those are the big four. Um, yeah, the handle for that is at Join the F1. Uh, we have a website, everythingf1.com, our YouTube channel. We search everything off one you'll find us. And finally, our podcast, which we do weekly. Excuse me, I've got hiccups. Um, so you can find that on all your favourite podcasting platforms. We do race reviews, previews, all that good stuff. And sometimes we have some rather snazzy guests on as well.
0: Always love a nice snazzy guest. Aaron, you're from the Five Red Lights podcast. Take it away.
1: I'm... Um the host of the five red lights podcast. Uh, we do race recaps with well, a grand precap. I do driver of the month videos, uh, bah, bah, bah. the flying lap where I try and beat the pole position lap time and tell you everything that happened in the race. I also write it for, F- for F1 Chronicle. So go and check out the race report, which is already up and posted. That was ready before we, we sat down to record this show. And I also write for inside F2. So you can find me in lots of places on Twitter, on Instagram, uh, at five underscore red underscore lights, or at Aaron Harper forty one, and you can find me on Instagram, which is five red lights.
0: Yeah, and Owain, you're generally like me, mostly found on here. But if there's anything you want to chuck in this segment, go ahead.
2: Um, okay, I can't keep parroting the whole. If you'd like to go and read me articles, go and get those on SportlightPro dot I very rarely write anymore, unfortunately. Um, but if I do, will be. It will be on uh, the F. Uh, oh goodness me! Words, the F1 Chronicle website. That's where it will be.
0: Yeah, check out the F1 Chronicle website, as I'm sure you have, if you are watching this podcast or listening to this podcast, or you know, reading any of Aaron's race roundups and stuff like that. But me, I'm like I say, mostly on here. But you can find me on the socials at Rubes R U U B E Z. Put a zero zero 001 on the end if you're on Instagram. And with that, Grid Talk is available on YouTube, where most episodes are recorded live. As you'll know, if you're currently watching the live stream, stick around because we'll be having a bit more of a discussion, answering some questions that have been left in the comments just for a little bit, um, just to, you know, give something back. Uh, but we're also available on Amazon Fire, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Music, Verbal, Omni Studio and Pocket Casts. Just search for No One Grid Talk. For our back catalogue of shows with previews and reactions to qualifying and the race results. Please consider supporting the channel on Patreon so we can get mics, lights and better recording equipment. You can get your hands on some official Grid Talk merchandise on f1chronicle.com forward slash store and don't forget if you do leave a review you will automatically be entered into a, a chance to win some of our champion range of merch. Also make sure you subscribe so you're the first to know when each new episode is released weekly. We'll also be back soon tomorrow, Uh, with plenty more f1 content so thank you very much to everyone for listening and thank you very much to everyone for joining me and goodbye